This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And welcome back. It's some of the Cooler Jets podcast. Rose Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, Jets finally snapped their five-game losing streak beating the Texans, improving to 5-8 and eight in a game which they scored 30 points. Zach Wilson had 300 total yards of offense, had three led three touchdown drives. They held the league's leading passer to less than 100 yards. It was a perfect game for the Jets for the most part outside of one Zach Wilson fumble, which if that didn't happen, I think the defense might might pitch a shutout in this one. Uh, about as flawless of a game as you, as you could have hoped for. I know there's a segment of Jets fans cheering for losses, but – these guys aren't going to play that way. And, and you had a great point this week, and, and maybe you can jump off at this point, where it's like, yes, maybe the Jets losing out, they get a higher pick, that would be better uh, for, their, for their draft capital. But if you're seriously looking at 2024 as the year that you're going to go all in with Aaron Rodgers, maybe some momentum at the end of the season makes it a little bit more realistic that they could jump off and, and, and go on a, on a run next year as opposed to losing, what, their last eight or nine games and then hoping that Rodgers is going to change everything off an Achilles injury. Uh, what did you make of, of this game? And let's just start there. How did you enter this? Were you cheering for them to win? Not that it matters at all, but were you cheering for them to win or were you cheering for them to lose? Yeah, I mean, as we were leading up to this game, I did sort of turn onto the side of cheering for a win pretty much the same as we have been, which I didn't expect throughout the week because I wasn't too hyped for this game or anything, which I don't think anyone was. But, you know, after the the Falcons game, especially, which pretty much eliminated them from the playoffs. I was not like super invested in previewing this game or anything, um, which obviously you and I weren't super excited about doing a preview yeah. either. Well, um, just for the schedule. Well, there was that, yeah. but then also like I've started a job this week, and so the schedule's yeah. been all different. But we are back on schedule. I promise. Apologies uh, for no pod last week. Yeah, like, uh, but leading up to the game, I just sort of came to that realization where it's like, I mean, as quote unquote appealing tanking maybe you know the idea of you know maybe get Marvin Harrison or a big time offensive lineman or or in my opinion I think a quarterback would be good whatever you want even though that's appealing it you know it sort of occurred to me like if the Jets are going to win four or five games this year do you really think they're going to win a Super Bowl next year because like yeah guys are going to be more healthy Rodgers is going to be back and he adds however many wins he adds um but like that's the goal to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. It's not to be a wild card team next year. It's not to barely win the Raiders and Chargers games that maybe you would have won if you were here and things like that. The goal is to win a Super Bowl. That's why you got him. So if that's the goal, I think you still want this team to win as many games as possible because it makes it easier to go into next year and picture like, okay, 
here's where our floor is at. We won seven, let's say seven or eight games. That's, you know, ideal. Nine would be amazing. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers can add four or five wins to that. And that puts us right in the division conversation, the, you know, legitimate Super Bowl conversation. But if the Jets lose out and they finish with four or five wins, okay, great. You got your high draft pick. But is Aaron Rodgers really lifting that team to being a Super Bowl team, not just a wild card team, but a team that can really win a championship. I don't see it. So that's why I think it would be ideal for the Jets to have as many games like this as possible to close the season to show you that the floor is higher than what it has looked like the past five weeks. And I think with more games like this, it makes it a lot easier to go into the offseason and, and picture, you know, insert Aaron Rodgers into this, insert Devontae Adams, whoever else you may add, whatever rookie. And that team can go in a championship because it can be done. You know, you can come from winning seven eight games to being a super bowl team but fewer than seven wins is that has not been done in over two decades each the of the ba- last the Bengals, 20, the i put Bengals this one out the, super the bengals did go to the super bowl off of you know joe burrow's rookie season so it, it it can be done but super bowl winners the last 20 each one at least seven games in the previous season and 18 of them won at least eight the two teams that didn't were the eagles in 2016 and the bucks in 2019 obviously they added brady so for the most part, you have to be at least an average team to think you're going to win a Super Bowl the next season. If you're if you're absolute garbage, you're, it's probably not happening. So that's why I would like to see the Jets win games. So to see the Jets have a game like this, I enjoyed it. And I was cheering throughout. I I thoroughly enjoyed this second half experience. First half was, you know, same old, same old. But to see the offense okay, come alive. They were saying was, same old, same old, but they, they were moving the ball. They were at least moving the ball. In the they first did. Half, I mean, they, they did in the Raiders game. They did in... You know they've had a few games yeah, like that where they moved it, but then the we points fi- weren't there. We finally got a glimpse of we finally got a glimpse of the gold zone in this game. A few, few red zone touchdowns. We did. I mean, I don't know how much I loved targeting Dwayne Brown on, the, or they didn't target him, but you know, featuring Dwayne Brown on the one play. But you know, he overcame it. We threw it to Hall on the next play, so that's a lot better. But um, I I got to be honest when they threw the touchdown to Cobb. I didn't know who it was for a second. I was like, yeah, this guy. I thought it was some like <laughs> random practice squad receiver. I was unaware got called up, like Irvin Charles or something. But then I saw him in the end zone. I was like, oh, that's Cobb. I didn't even know he was alive. Did you know it was Cobb when he called the pass? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I did. But, <laughs> okay. you know, we're just, yeah. I, I think that, let's start here. Because we, uh, we talked briefly before this podcast. And the, and the one thing I said to you is like, is it just bias because they won the game and, and like they just played better or does it feel like the jets actually did especially in that second half call a more aggressive game and it, it kind of felt like they called a similar style of, of offense that they did against the chiefs now is that just because those are the two games that the offense has actually looked like an nfl offense it's like oh we'll just do more of that stuff you did against the chiefs or is there is there some legitimate legitimacy to that because it did feel like they did run a lot more play action they started throwing the ball on first down a lot more they were taking shots downfield and zach wilson himself played with that kind of effort mentality where he wasn't so worried about making the mistakes. It, so what do you make of that? Is that just a bias because they just played better or is that really the case? Yeah, I do think there is a degree of, you know, they were more successful. So now we're going to act like the process was better, you know, like, cause I think sometimes, as you said, like when the team, when it works out in the end, then you're like, Oh, that that's how you should do it. Just keep doing that. And it's the same thing when things don't work. <laughs> Run it's the like, touchdown. Right, now you're not. Now you're not trying anymore. You're not aggressive. You don't try hard enough. You know you're too conservative. Whatever. So sometimes it's results based uh, based like that. And I think there is a degree of that of that in this game because 
Like, you know, as, as bad as the Jets are, they want to win. At least I think they do. So I, I'm pretty sure they've been trying up to this point. And it, like, it just hasn't been executed well. But I do think there is, you know, a degree in this game of, okay, they did start opening up a little bit more. But I think the place where it was most evident is less so the play calling, but how Zach himself was playing. I think that's the biggest difference I know. Because, like, there have been some shots called. They have done, you know, at times more play action passing and first down passing and just hasn't worked. That's just but, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but in this game, I think it was Zach's mentality himself. Like there's that one play where he, you know, was close. They're driving. It's close to the goal line, but he threw across his body, middle of the field, Garrett Wilson. That's a throw that I don't think he tries in the majority of games in his career. And, you know, maybe going forward, it's not the most ideal, but in this game with his back to the wall, um, nothing to lose. He had the confidence to try it, and he made a great throw, and it put them in position to score a touchdown. Like plays like that, I feel like you could clearly see. Like, okay, he's we got four quarters of like that Steelers fourth quarter, Panthers fourth quarter, um, you know, Chiefs game. The majority of that, we got four quarters of that, and you know, it's unfortunate that it took the Jets this long to allow him to get to that point. That he has to, you know, get benched however many times to get to this point. It has to be four and eight to get here. So that's a, you know, it's an indictment on him and the coaching staff that, you know, it, they haven't been able to get to that point earlier and unlock that. But I did see that mentality in him specifically. You know what I think helped too? I do think getting benched helped, not because of like he learned all that much in the, in the last two weeks or anything, but I think it, it did take some of the pressure because one, they lost those games. And I think the Jets season doesn't, it doesn't sound like they're going to go to the playoffs. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but also the the rest of the world got to see like, uh, somebody else run this Jets offense and how it's okay. It's not all Zach Wilson. Look, I think anybody who's really actually sat down and watched the film came away with that conclusion. Like, look, I've defended Zach Wilson. I've also been honest. It's like, I don't think this guy is uh, amazing. I have, I've been pretty open that I do think that he's going to go somewhere. And then in year five, year six, year seven, be starting. Again. I think he's going to be on that Geno Smith art, but anybody who's watched this team knew that he wasn't the only problem. But like the the broader narrative is like the Jets have this bus quarterback and they didn't trade for Josh Dobbs and he's holding the team back and 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 I'll couple that with I do understand why the Jets made the QB change like as much as I've defended Zach Wilson I also understood why they did it you know after that Bills game like they another anemic offensive performance where they're not scoring any touchdowns and there's the rumblings about Rodgers coming back and you just kind of looked at that three game stretch of like. Of, of Miami, Atlanta, and Houston. It's like, okay, well, if you can just win like two or three of these games, you know, maybe you can put yourself in a position where Rodgers can come back and you can run the table and make the playoffs and this offense is doing nothing. So let's let's put somebody else in and see if we can create some sort of spark and uh, win the race to 20 points game, as, as Saul put it. Maybe you can have a, a repeat of what Mike White did last year. Like, I get why they did it, but it's clear that Zach Wilson is their best option at quarterback. I mean, just think about how many plays today he made on the feet. And that all that off-platform uh, creative playmaking that we saw from him today that you're just not going to get from a Tim Boyle or Trevor Simeon. Or, frankly, you're not going to get from an Aaron Rodgers off, off one Achilles for the, the talk about him coming back and playing this year, which I think has hopefully died out but still floating out there in the ether. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy for Zach Wilson. Obviously, I'm a Jets fan first, but the guy has taken so, much, so many shots this season and, and is really his entire career and is just eating shit from the, the New York media and NFL fans around, around the league, you know, making fun of him for stumbling backpedaling into onto the field a couple weeks ago. And just, he just seems like he's just made fun of a meme at every, every turn, like more so than any other athlete I've seen. So I'm glad he finally got to have uh, a, a wire to wire, good game, good performance. 
outside of the one fumble, but like you can't really kill him for that. It was a great play. He he got like twenty yards, and it's in the rain, and he fumbled. Okay, whatever. It didn't cost the Jets. Um, so I I I feel happy for him there. But I think that the big thing is is like the pressure was alleviated because the Jets aren't in a playoff position, and the rest of the world got to see somebody else run the offense. And I think that allowed him to play a little bit uh, a little bit more free. The other thing I think he did was. He, he keyed in on Garrett Wilson. Like the target distribution that you saw in this game was really similar to what you'd kind of been talking about leading into the season where it's like, it's going to be the Garrett and Bree show and then the Titans are going to have to carry it. And let's just be honest, that isn't a way, that's not a winning recipe to not have a, a competent receiver two or a receiver three, but that was what the Jets recipe was going to be, especially after Corey Davis retired. And as the season unfolded, you got to see how ineffective Lazard was. It, it frustrated me so many times, the amount of third downs where it's like, why is his first read not Garrett Wilson every play? And like, I don't know if that's on coaching or if that's on Zach. And maybe that's that's too, uh, I don't want to like, too rudimentary to be like, well, just focus in on Garrett Wilson every third down. But like, why are we keying in on Xavier Gibson and, and Alan Lazard on, on third down? Where it's like, I don't care if it's if it's double coverage, but like Garrett Wilson should be your first read. I don't know how you feel about it, but it did feel like he really focused on getting the ball to 17. What did you kind of make of the, of the target distribution in, in this one? Well, yeah, I think you definitely saw a degree of that. Like there's the back shoulder um, and there were multiple other third down plays where you could kind of see pre-snap that he had a good matchup. And then finally, Zach Wilson is lining up with that and he's looking to that matchup as well. Because like like you said, we don't want to sit here and be, you know, the type of armchair offensive coordinator says like, just throw it up to Garrett Wilson every play. Like, you know, football doesn't work that way. And if it did, then, you know, Someone would have had 2,000 yards in a season by now. They would have 3,000, 4,000 because why don't you just throw to Randy Moss every play or Michael Irvin or whoever it is. Like football hasn't worked that way. And there's reasons it doesn't or else teams would do it. Um, but at the same time, when you are a team whose number two receiver is Alan Lazard, who's probably the worst or definitely at this point, the, num- the worst number two receiver in the league, even if he was the third receiver, he'd probably be the worst. Um, he didn't even get targeted in this game. That's how bad he is at getting open. Um, when that is your, you know, when that, that's the talent you have at your disposal and you have Brees Hall and you have good tight ends, then, you know, it makes sense. Like, let's kind of put those other receivers on the back burner. Let's emphasize Garrett Wilson as much as we realistically can. And then let's get the ball to Brees Hall and get our tight ends involved. And so I, I really like the target distribution when you look at it here. Garrett Wilson leads with 14, which is obviously very high on 36 passes. Then nine targets for Hall is great. Like, I think I want to see a lot more of that because it feels like every time he's emphasized as a receiver, he delivers. He's always been very efficient with the receptions that he gets. And then the tight ends, like Jeremy Rucker doesn't get targeted a lot, but his hands when he has gotten good opportunities this year have been really good and he's run good routes. And then Conklin this season has been like, he's been awesome. Like maybe he doesn't have the receiving yards because the quarterbacks have not been good. Nothing's been good, but like, just purely his hands when he's been targeted. He's made so many great receptions this year. Been very reliable catching the ball. And he came through again in this game. They hit, you know, I think twice Zach targeted him, you know, on a seam, like just one-on-one, give him a shot to make a play. And then Rucker, you know, on that, that scramble drill play where Zach put it, you know, nice inside placement away from the defender. And then Rucker makes a circus catch. Um, so I like the usage of the tight ends. I think that's great for Zach because he can play his, you know, now, when he's playing like this, he can play his sort of street ball style play, be creative and trust that a tight end is going to make those catches because they have that type of catch radius. Um, and then with Brees Hall, like we said, 
He makes plays when he gets the ball, whether it's designed or even if it's just a check down, he makes things happen. And then Garrett all season has shown that he can catch passes that you're not supposed to catch when you just give him a chance to go up and make those plays. So I like this plan for the final four games. They should have been doing it for a while. Just admit like Lazard is not it. Our receiver depth chart is not there. Let's play this type of football, but you know, better late. It's not better late than ever, but you know, you got four games left. You might as well ride it while you got it. So uh, I like this, you know, keep Garrett Wilson as the focal point of the offense, but when you're not getting to him, check that be be quick to check that ball down to Brees Hall. The other guys are not getting open. Gibson, Cobb, Lazard, they don't get open. We know that. Check it down to Brees Hall, make plays with him. And those tight ends, those guys are reliable if you want to throw the ball up to them, give them a chance to make plays. So keep throwing the ball to Conklin and Ruckert as well. Yeah, I'm curious to go back and, and watch the L22 on this one to see the blocking because, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to speak out of turn here because I really only watched the game live once. But it seemed like Mitchell was getting beat a lot. I mean, I know they're on their, like, what, their 15th different offensive line combination. Something crazy. I mean, they're playing guys that I've never heard of. And they, what was it? Jake Hansen, Chris Glazer came in at one point. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a generator. These guys who just fill out the draft. <laughs> just class. random 50 overall guys on the offensive <laughs> line. Uzama got hurt. And so then Yuboa got to play a little bit. I thought he had a nice block. But again, like, I don't want to say anything without right. watching the all 22. So I want to go back and check the blocking in this one. They did have a, at least a couple nice runs in this one, finally. But even then, you look at the numbers. Like, let me pull it up here. It was like Brees Hall had what? Uh, 10 yeah, carries 10 for 40. 40 so he he got the 15 at the end. So before that, yeah, he was okay, like so. two yards of carry. But I mean, overall, like I, I think that's one of the biggest differences in this game. I thought the pass protection was good. Like, I don't know how you felt, but um, I mean, he ends up getting sacked four times. A couple of those he maybe could have avoided. But regardless of that, like in terms of pressure, like I thought he got a lot of good pockets in this game. More so, and, and well, maybe and he, and, he, and he extended some pockets, and he did as well. Um, but you know, maybe I'm evaluating it based off of like what our measuring stick is for this team, which is like a very low <laughs> bar in terms of offensive line play. Uh, so maybe it was just average, and we're used to seeing awful. So it seems like it was great, but it, yeah. it definitely the, the felt thing that we're gonna have to better. the thing that we're gonna have to watch out yeah. for. Thing we have to watch out for in future podcasts yeah, like and seasons overrating is that what this, the Jets are this doing. year has been so bad <laughs> yeah. that yeah, if the Jets have a league average offense, we're gonna be like, we're going to the Super Bowl. This is the best <laughs> offense in the league. Yeah. Like we've just watched so much shit. Um, yeah, I'm, no, I'm already doing that. Like they scored I, their first touchdown. I'm like, well, what's, what's that Brown score right now? What's that cold score? Like we we can make a run here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the playoffs. Well, let's talk about that because until the Jets hit nine losses, I'll at least I'll at least cheer for them to win. Right, not that I have any impact on the game, but right. just as a fan, I'll mentally be like, "All right, maybe if they could win out and run the table, and they get some help in the AFC, they could sneak right. into the playoffs." I don't bank on that happening. I don't think they beat Miami next week, and I don't think if if Rodgers came back, which I don't, I don't even think he will, but maybe he tries to do it. If Rodgers came back, like behind this offensive line, and with really only having one quality receiver, like I guess he has some chemistry with Lazard, but really just a weak receiving depth chart and Hackett in his offense, like, are, are they really going to go on a run? Even if they made the playoffs, do you really see them going in? Like, probably not. But until they hit nine losses, I'll cheer for it. Crazier things have happened. Look, Michael, my fantasy team just won five in a row and snuck into the playoffs. So maybe the Jets can do the same. Uh, (laughs) At this point, I mean, we'll talk. We'll have a podcast later this week talking about the Dolphins game and some other, you know, future topics, I guess. Um, But at this point, how do you kind of look at at this year? Like, it's over, right? Like, I don't want to get sucked back into the, like, okay, well, maybe we can get back into the in-the-hunt graphic and maybe they can get lucky with some AFC losses. 
But how are you kind of digesting this win? Are you just Is it the moral victory? Or is there any part of you that's like, all right, well, maybe they can win. If they can upset the Dolphins, they've yeah. got kind of an easy schedule down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty bleak, let's be honest. Like, the New York Times has a <laughs> cool simulator where you could you know look at your odds based on how different things play out. And right now they have it to where even if the Jets win out their last four games, they go nine and eight. There's only an 11% chance that everything else falls their way and they get in the playoffs if they finish nine and eight. So yeah, the Falcons game was killer. It was, it was from that point where it was like, okay, if you went out from there and you go 10 and seven, you should get in. It was, it was still wasn't guaranteed at that point, but they would have had a good shot. But now like you look at the AFC, like every time they show that playoff graphic, like they try squeezing as many teams as possible. It almost looks like the whole conference and the jets still aren't in the picture. That's how, you know, it's not the year to be, you know, trying to get in as a fringe team, you're going to need 10 wins, most likely, barring quite a few collapses. They're, if they're in the NFC, like the Giants win tomorrow. I mean, they're very much in it over there in that awful conference. But uh, unfortunately, the Jets are not. So it's very bleak, but they are Let's... mathematically alive, which, which I guess creates an interesting conversation. Like, right. does if Rodgers feels like he's ready to play and they're technically alive, like, does he push it? Hopefully not. He said he'd do it if they're alive. We'll I think, well, I was going to say, I think the, the game that he really could play is, is the last game of the season. If he really wants to have the moral victory of like, I came back in, in the same season from an Achilles injury. Like if he just wants that for his legacy, right. that makes sense. Because I know he's targeted the commander's game. And look, as you said, like if they upset the Dolphins, the, po- the potential that he plays in that game increases astronomically. Although if Zach Wilson were coming off of back-to-back games, back-to-back wins. Right, that's, that's the thing. Maybe you, you don't beat Miami, Zach Wilson behind this offensive probably. line played really well that's another yeah, factor and like how many plays in this game is rogers i mean look like rogers is going to be a lot better at the line of scrimmage i'm sure that rogers would lead some touchdown drives but there are a lot of plays in this one that zach wilson had to make plays with his feet behind this patchwork madden generated offensive line do you want to stick your hall of fame 40 year old quarterback on one achilles back there like i don't think so i still think it's a pipe dream i do think that if if they had won like if they beat the Raiders and then if they beat the Falcons, like I do think he would have tried to do it because you could make a realistic argument for it. At this point, I, I don't think so. But if he wants the moral victory, it would be that Pats game because if you bring him back for that Commanders game, he's got to go play Miles Garrett in this, you know, in a great uh, Cleveland defense on what five days on Thursday night football on the road. Like, are you really going to do that to your forty-year-old quarterback? So right. I don't really see yeah. it. Um, but you know, it is as long as they're still alive, we'll, we'll, you know, I guess we'll keep cheering for it. Um, I guess we could talk about the defense too, which just never gets talked about in the podcast because it's like defense and they, they don't score or whatever. But like just another, maybe their best game of the season. I mean, you could argue some other ones. I mean, maybe the Eagles and whatnot. But just in terms of like you're facing this, yeah, I know he's a rookie quarterback, but you're facing a guy who leads the league in passing yards. He held him to under 100 yards. He probably would have had a shutout without that one fumble. And I think the Texans had one third down conversion the entire game. Let me double check that. Yeah, one third down conversion. They were one for 12, zero for, zero for three on, on fourth down. Just another dominant defensive performance. So I don't know where you want to go with that. But I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about this Jets defense other than it's been wasted by an yeah, awful offense. But this is defense is proven week in and week out point, how good they are. Which is a you know, testament to how great they are. Because like it, I, I was saying this at halftime where it was like, you know, it's crazy how we can't appreciate this defense more like it because at halftime Stroud or Houston had negative passing yards which is insane when you consider how good he's been how good this offense has been 
And it's like, you can't even appreciate it because it's like, this doesn't even matter because our offense can't do anything. But, you know, finally you get a victory so you can appreciate the impact of the defense playing that well. But I mean, yeah, they deserve their credit because they are the reason that, you know, the conversations about the Jets are what they are in terms of like, it feels like the Jets are missing a, a window of opportunity and not that they're a complete dumpster fire. Like, because it could be a average defense, below average defense, and the Jets could have one win right now. And it's just a complete mess of a franchise. But the reason it's also frustrating is because of this defense. Like, it's ready to go win a championship. And they continue to prove it week in, week out. But um, I think the cornerbacks were the star of the show. I mean, they always yeah. are, but they very much carried this game. Like, pass rush? There, was a, there were a lot of reps where I felt like pass rush wasn't really getting home. I mean, they finished with four or five sacks. Um, but a lot of those were, you know, created by the coverage. But every it feels like every time the corners were challenged, they came through. In the end, they had more pass deflections, yeah. the cornerbacks did, than the Houston receivers. Wide, their wide receivers had receptions. So, like, Sauce, every time That's he gets challenged, it stat. feels like... Like he's he's been it's so he's so fun to watch because like yeah he doesn't get twenty pick sixes in a season like Deron Bland or whatever but every time he does get challenged it feels like he always makes the play or at least at a rate yeah. that is just well beyond what you expect it's like you see ball thrown to his side and you're like he's gonna come through he's gonna break that up or he's gonna have tight coverage and that pass is gonna fall incomplete and he shows you why he doesn't get interceptions because. Teams don't want to throw at him because it's a near lock that you're not going to get a completion. And then that only makes it more impressive what DJ Reed and Michael Carter do because you have a corner who's so good and sauce that teams are avoiding him. So you're getting more targets thrown your way. And yet they come through as well. So this is the best cornerback trio in the league. It's not even a debate. And the numbers would back that up. And you know, regardless of the Jets record, I think we should all appreciate what we're getting to watch with those guys. It's one of the best units in the history of this franchise. Like it, it's not an exaggeration to say that, like it's up there with, you know, it, in the end, it's going to be up there with all those greats, like the sack exchange or, you know, whatever unit you want to put up there, like iconic jets units, this cornerback trio is going to be up there because like what they do week in week out is super impressive, especially in this era. Although this season has been down in terms of offense, but again, you consider who the jets have played, what they did against yeah. Stroud this week, Josh of- Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes. It's remarkable. It's it's a treat to watch those. Herbert. Guys. Herbert. Yeah. And they I mean Tua, Herbert, all yeah, these. I forgot guys, about the Herbert one because I mean, the score looks so bad when you look at it unscheduled. Then you're like, oh, the yeah. offense did absolutely nothing in the, the Chargers game. Really? The, the, only, the, only, the only quarterbacks that really got him, I would say, were Dak Prescott and Josh Allen the second time. And both quarterbacks kind of had a similar thing where they just were ultra conservative. They really just took what the Jets defense gave them, challenged the linebackers, went underneath, didn't try to make any big plays, and then also just knew on the other side that the offense wasn't going to do anything so that they could play that way and, and win the game. Yeah, it, it's it's a bummer how, how much this great Jets defense has been wasted this season. But it does give you hope that, like, you know, all the the, the engine of this team – uh, and especially, the, you know, both sides of the ball, but the defense, all young guys, all core players that can be on this team for three, five years. And so there isn't really any reason that they can't come back next year and still have a dominant defense. And like, I know defensive success year to year is hard, is a hard thing to maintain, 
But I think you've seen with the, you know with San Francisco that they year to year after losing Salah after using D'Amico Ryan's year to year they've been able to maintain themselves as a good unit because they had young cornerstone players in that team like Bosa like Fred Warner and then they just you know they have their their style of play and and the coaching staff and the front office work together and they draft players that fit that style of play and the coaching staff knows it so well what to look for what traits to look for and I think you've seen that Joe Douglas and, and Robert Sala on the defensive side of the ball have done a great job of working together and really building an elite unit on the offensive side of the ball it's a completely it's a shit show you like let's just be honest here and I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is the magic elixir but we'll see what they do over the offseason if they you know they get a healthy Rodgers if they're able to bring in a better offensive tackle if they're able to bring in a better second receiver, you know, if they if they can beef up the O line and, and just bring in somebody else out wide, and you have Aaron Rodgers, maybe you get the type of year that we thought we might get this year, where the Jets pair this elite defense with, at the very least, a competent offense with the ceiling of of maybe something more because you have that Hall of Fame quarterback who can go win you those games, those big games, uh, in the clutch. Uh, what do you make of of Sala and his future after this game? Like we we shouldn't let one game change anything i've been very much on the stance of like Extend everybody's them. gonna get another year three years <laughs> okay shut, shut up everybody's gonna get another year and and you've been kind of more in the fire solid train which you know there's been a lot of steam it's gained the last the last couple weeks it's like maybe this guy is just a great defensive coordinator maybe he isn't the head coach that's going to take the jets to the promised land the, the the phrase you used last time which i think the, the last podcast we had i think was after the dolphins game so it's been a while with this toothpaste ad over here over my shoulder, <laughs> was that you can find somebody that can raise the ceiling of, of what you're trying to build. Now, I think that, look, with Rodgers coming back, with this young core, everybody's going to get 2024. And if it, if it's another shitty season, I think I think Saul is gone and maybe Joe Douglas is gone and, and whatever. We had a whole conversation on who deserves more blame. And, and then we had a conversation on, like, how if they're tied to Hackett, what can they do to, to change this offense? And I think like Todd Downing is probably the easy fall guy. He's the passing game coordinator. He has a heavy role in designing the offense and the passing concepts. And those have sucked this year. So I think Downing gets fired regardless. Maybe Keith Carter, who there's that famous quote I tweeted out this week from Taylor Lewan, who played under him in Tennessee. You talked about how brutal the practices are and how they're hard for older players. But even, you know, that would apply to all players. I know he, Keith Carter isn't running the practices. So again, this would fall on solid. But he was just talking about how, in Tennessee, his experience under Keith Carter was it felt like the wheels kind of fell off at the end of the season because those guys were just getting run into the ground. You can look at the receiver coach, QB coach, whatever. But if they have to keep Hackett uh, because they have Rodgers, like who could they fire? That was our whole discussion last week. And then they put up this game with 30 points in the rain. The Jets win. Does it erase the last uh, – what is it? What week were we in? This is I'm such a haze. Was this week 13? Week 14? 14. Help me out here. Bueller? 14? Okay. 14. Doesn't erase yeah. the, the previous 13 weeks, but and, and you can't put lipstick on a pig and act like this Jets offense is or this Jets team is moving in the right direction. Even to our earlier point, talking about like if you believe they can make that jump in 2024, you kind of want them to have some momentum and show some progress this year. But at the end of the day, Michael, you finally had about as perfect of a Jets game as you could ask for from offense, defense, and special teams. Does it change anything in the way that you view how they should handle Sala? at the end of the season. Now, we, we can talk about Hackett afterwards, but specifically with Sala, you've been very much on the, the pro fire Sala bandwagon. Does this change anything? Yeah, I mean, I can't say one game changes too much. We'll, we'll see how the final four games go and how they can wrap it up, you know, in totality over these final five games. Because, um, you know, they could lose the next four and we never even care about this game again. 
but um you know it's a step in the right direction um but i mean really the overall argument for me with you know moving on from sala from hackett just kind of being a little more aggressive with the upheaval this offseason is kind of what you said is i feel like you can you can find a coaching staff and a head coach that raises the ceiling a little bit more especially on the offensive side of the ball so that's what my whole argument is is and i don't think you know one game changes that so um you know if they finish strong am i going to argue that he should be fired no you know they have a good finish here and he shows some respectability then okay you can earn that you know second chance with Rodgers next year for sure but um still four games to go so it probably would be best to see how it goes and then evaluate it at the end but you know more games like this is what we're trying to see you know more of a ceiling on offense um and just yeah that, that that's really it because i mean defense there's not much to say but offense i'm just trying to see that upside and and even in the, in this game like we're saying this game it was two quarters like they got shut out in the first half again that's true so that's and, true and i did say that earlier i was like zach wilson had a wire kind of misleading at the end like that's not really the case. In, in the end they have a 30 on the scoreboard but their last three field goals they had negative yards on all those drives because they were just set up off of turnover on down so they really only uh, scored 21 points which is again like this is no but this is this is what we said earlier remember like we can't overrate what happens because our standards are so low yeah this is what happened they scored 21 points that's true. at home against a texans team that is not high ranked on defense i mean they came to this game um another 12 best in points per game but Nonetheless, they had 21 points on offense, basically. So let's by jet well, standards, just, you know, you raise the banner, it's a, it's a, but you know, let's not overreact. Well, the other the other uh, angle from this game, and I tweeted this out, and if we had done a pregame podcast, I really would have hammered this home in, in terms of Sala's future. I felt like this was a big game for Sala because he's playing, he's coaching against his, his former protege and D'Amico Ryan's. It's a defense that he knows intimately. It's a defense that, you know, obviously the Texans and Jets have different personnel, but it's the same style of defense. It's the same defense that this Jets offense has been practicing against for an entire year. So it's like, if they could move the ball against this, it's like, like you said, it's not like the Texans have been statistically that great or anything. They've been solid, I guess, but they run the type of defense that Sala knows, the type of defense his offense knows. If they could move the ball at all, you just kind of felt like, all right, that's another feather in the uh, the cap of, of – I don't know that's a terrible one. It's another uh, point in favor of, of firing Sala. But luckily the offense, you know, did rise to the occasion. But like you said, I guess it was only in the second half. We don't want to look at things with green co- uh, colored goggles. And I guess that's why you're here. You, you balance me out. I'm the fanboy, the optimistic one, and you're the dark hole of cynicism right. and reality. <laughs> but we'll take it. Um, I don't know where we want to go from this. I mean – I guess we there are a lot of things that I do want to talk about, but maybe it's maybe it's better save for the podcast that'll come out on Friday because I, I do want to talk about Hackett and I do want to talk about the future and previewing the Dolphins game, but this is just just supposed to be the post game pod. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else before we get out of here. I know this is a quicker one than we normally do. We're shortchanging the people here, Michael. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Or you want to get out of here, and we will have another podcast this week. Um, I, I mean one random topic that I've kind of been thinking about is, you know, it, it's easy to sit here and look at the Jets at, at five and eight right now and think like, okay, what if you won the Raiders game? What if you won the Patriots game and and so on? What would your record be right now? You could have been right in that playoff mix, Falcons. right? 
but you know falcons is another one and it, it's easy to do that but i think ultimately you look at the big picture they won some games they should not have won they should not have beat the giants they should not have beat the eagles probably should not have beaten the bills in week one either so this was their only clean denver i guess was pretty clean but that and this one are pretty much the only two wins where it's like okay you won that game you know without much of a debate so ultimately they're five and eight and i think they played like a five and eight team overall this year maybe even a win less than that so i don't i don't i'm basically just saying i don't think it's worth saying like you know they left some wins on the table because they also got some wins they shouldn't have so um rogers went down right they've played they've had a lot of injuries this is a four or five win team right now and that's what they are despite some blown games here and there yeah, no, it's especially Atlanta last week. Like that's the game where it's like it already felt like the Jets were out of it last week against that uh, going up against Atlanta. But there is part of me that's like, okay, I get why you made the switch on the Black Friday game on a short week to try to get a spark with Tim Boyle, our guy Tim Boyle, who's no longer on the team. But uh, the week after, it's like I'm not going to kill him for not going back to Zach, but I did feel like they should have gone to Sammy. And we both said that in the last podcast, where it's like the only reason you went to Boyle was to try to get the spark. The spark wasn't there. Go to Simeon, see if the spark's there. Because they see they see these guys in practice. We've seen it in preseason and during the regular season. Like Zach Wilson does have ceiling raising traits for the offense. Like yes, he has floor lowering traits, but behind this terrible offensive line, like he's probably your best chance. So you know, but to me, like last week against Atlanta, like that would have been like have Simeon as the one, Zach Wilson as a two. You give Simeon the first half. If nothing's happening, maybe you switch over to Zach. You know, again, it's like armchair coaching and things you can look back in retrospect. It does kind of give me some sauce that you bring up, like the amount of games the Jets have won this year that they definitely shouldn't have won. So it's not like this is a team that if they are one game or two games out of the playoffs, you look back and it's like, oh, if they could have just won this, this, and this. It's like, yeah, okay, but they shouldn't have even been in that position. They have one of the worst right. offensive lines in the league that they can't stay healthy. They have one of the worst receiving units in the league outside of one of the better receivers in football. But the rest of the depth chart is maybe the worst in football. This isn't a team that's constructed on the offensive side of the ball to make a playoff run. So there's no point in really getting all sad about the missed opportunities this year. I think the best thing you can hope for is that like more performances like this, like I will cheer for the Jets to play well as long as they're still mathematically alive. And because I do think that this whole uh, unit – era of Jets football is going to continue into 2024. I do buy into the fact that if they can win some games here at the end of the season, it's it's just a big difference for their mentality heading into 2024 rather than them just completely that the wheels completely falling off and them, you know, limping to the finish line and, and finishing what with four wins or five wins, like you said, but I think let's get out of here. Let's do a podcast for Friday and we'll talk about some things. There were some rumblings about, you know, we don't want to talk too much about the draft, but there are some rumblings about drafting a quarterback versus drafting somebody to help Aaron Rodgers. There's more stuff about Hack I'd like to talk about. We'll have uh, have a chance to watch the All-22 and really dive into some of the things that stood out to us. But glad we got a podcast out, Michael, this week on schedule for the first time in a minute. So thank you for everybody for listening. And we're sorry about the uh, the lack of a schedule this this past week or so, but uh, we're getting back on it. You can follow us at Pod on Twitter, Michael, Michael underscore Nanny, and myself. Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com. Best place to go for Jets content. Make sure to check out the other JetX pods. Um, subscribe to ours. Uh, subscribe to the JetX YouTube. You can see I'm doing this off the top of my head. It's It's been a long day. Uh, please rate if you subscribe on iTunes. I think that's it. Michael, any last thoughts? 
Um, all I got to say is Super Bowl's back on, baby. <laughs> okay. Super Bowl's back on the Jets. Is that the Jets' first win in green on white at home since the Raiders in 2019? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Only a few more games. Did, these did they get one this year? And I, no, right? Oh, to Eagles. What no. am I saying? Eagles. Oh, the Eagles. Oh, they my did. My yes. My yeah. Jeez. Jeez. Two, two in a row oh, in this uniform. At home. Or no, two they lost last year. All right. Keep... But two this year. That's that's progress. <laughs> you, can, you can tell we're tired. Yeah. It's, it's going to look I know, good. I know I've made the, this point before. The but... throwbacks next year. It's going to. I like the shade of green in those yeah. throwbacks. It's nice, simple. This this one looks all right, too. But did you get Raiders it's, it's... 2019 vibes from this game? It's kind of like the same exact thing. You know, green on white. It was very late much... in the season. Mediocre, you know, middle line Bad AFC weather. opponent. Surprise. Yeah, rain. Was in part the stands. Of that one. Um, random offensive explosion out of nowhere. It's like the same exact thing. And they won the game following yeah, that Raiders right. game as well. So hopefully they do that here. Did they? They uh, Washington game. I thought they lost to the right? Bengals. Or was no, that no, the no, third no, no. game? Washington game was before sure. that. And they went Giants, Washington, and then they beat the Raiders, and then they lost the Bengals, and I smashed a glass mirror in my kitchen with an apple. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. I, got that Le- I told that story, but the Le'Veon Bell right, holding penalty, right. and I just, that was my breaking point. Since then, I've been a lot more of a peaceful Jets fan. I don't really let the games affect me as much, but up until that point, I was very emotionally <laughs> invested. Um, all right, let's get out of here. We'll be back on Friday, previewing Dolphins game, talking some other Jets topics. Um, yeah, that'll do it for us. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. Jets win. Soak it in. There have not been too many weeks to, for us to do this. It's been a long time since we've got to have a victory Monday pod, but thank you very much for listening. Uh, have a great week. Go Jets.